last Sunday I had a gentleman um, sitting right over here call me over to his family where they were sitting before the service began. He said, I have a question. And I said, okay, go for it. He said, how does the church feel about the lottery? <laughs> it's an important question. And I had some thoughts on it. I said, well, actually, um, you know, when states and governments are involved in uh, talking about and uh, legislating lotteries into place, the church often speaks out against it. In fact, the United Methodist Church uh, worked against in, in the hopes of, of several, several years ago when Tennessee was talking about putting a lottery together, which isn't to say that there's anything good that comes from lotteries like scholarships, right, parents? You know, so there's good that comes from it. But, I, you know, I, I talked to him and said, well, the lottery can at times be seen as a tax on the poor. Uh, the lottery can, can prey upon um, those who are addicted to gambling. And it's kind of laying all that. He was very patient, and the man who asked the question listening, and he said, oh, that's not really what I meant. And I said, well, what, you, what, are you, what, what are you wondering? He said, I was wondering if I win the $1.6 billion Powerball, will the church accept my donation? <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> we will put that money to work. So I just wanted all y'all to know that. I <laughs> said, in case there's any confusion. <laughs> well, when we hear about a Powerball lottery of that amount, whether you buy a ticket or not, you might do that thing where you think, what would my life be like? What would it be like if I did not have to worry about all this stuff? What would it be like if I didn't have to worry about money? My father-in-law will always say, you know, people say money won't buy you happiness. And then he says, I would just like to give it a try. <laughs> and we think that, right? What would it be like if we had off of our shoulders the burden of our finances? What would it be like if we didn't have to worry about our children's finances and their future? What would it be like if we didn't have to worry about our parents' finances? And money's one of those things that make us feel at times like we have more than we can handle, not more money than we can handle, but just more than we can handle. And there are folks in the room right now who have a bill or a bunch of them, and it is the thing that's weighing you down, right? You have an obligation that you cannot meet. I just want you to know you're not alone. There's a bunch of us in this room that know what that feels like to come to church and think, how am I going to make it work this week? Sometimes we picture the rich young ruler, which I'm just about to read to you about. Sometimes we picture the rich young ruler as this guy who's won the lottery. And the reason I want to dispel that a bit is because in a story like that, we can say, oh, good, I don't have to worry about what he's dealing with. I don't have to worry about what Jesus is saying to him. And so this morning, as I read you the scripture, I just want you to try to listen to his questions, okay? Listen to his questions, listen to his longings, and see if you can see what he's attached to. Because those things, I think, are not much different from where we are. So here's the scripture, Matthew chapter 19. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. 
what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when I read the rich young ruler, if I'm not careful, if I don't pull back from that initial description, rich young ruler, then I can just say this is for somebody else. Because a lot of us can say, I'm not rich, I'm not young, I'm not a ruler, or any combination of those. So I'll let that story, that's a sad story about that man who wouldn't do what Jesus would say and we can walk away from it. But I think if we can pull back just a little bit, and you're not gonna like this, okay? Let me go ahead and say that right. You're not gonna like this. I think if we pull back just a little bit, we could see that if the rich young ruler story were happening today, he could have a Mount Juliet address. Maybe Brentwood, you know, but you know, somewhere around here. No, I think he could have lived in Wilson County or Davidson County or Rutherford County. And I'll tell you why. Once you get past the description and you hear his questions, you'll feel his longings, you'll see what he's attached to and you'll say, that's not that much different than me. So let me, let me get the questions to you, okay? Here's his first one. He says, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? The heart of that question is this, what can I do to live? What can I do to live? That's the question of the workaholic. That's the question of the mom with anxiety. That's the question of the person who's drawn to achieve and driven to it. The person who feels lonely. That's the, that's the question of the stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad who's getting the kids everywhere. What can I do to live? What can I do to actually live? I'm alive, but what can I do to, like, to live? And it wasn't just, the question wasn't just, what can I do to get into heaven? That's what he asked. But Jesus' answer said, I'll tell you how to enter life. The guy says, uh, which commandments am I supposed to follow, Jesus, if you tell me the way to life is to follow commandments? And Jesus names some, and the guy says, I do all those. And Jesus says, there's something that you still lack. And that's where the second question comes. He says, okay, what do I still lack? The rich young ruler has the pedigree, he has the degrees, he has the resume, he has financial security. He says, what do I still lack? What's missing? And again, I think these questions are ours. Some of us, you know, we can name off the things that we uh, say that we have. I've got my kids in this school. I retired. I don't have as much in the 401k as I thought I would, but it's pretty good. I have the job. I have the marriage. What do I still lack? What's missing? And a lot of us are going through week to week and asking that question in one way or the other. What is it I'm missing? What do I still lack? Those are his questions, okay? What can I do to live and what do I still lack? We hear his longings in those and then Jesus points out his attachments, what he's attached to in his life. This is Jesus' answer to him. He says, if you wanna be perfect, because that's sort of what it sounds like, doesn't it? <laughs> Jesus is giving this way to life, but he keeps pushing. He says, all right, if you wanna be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus says that the rich man has put his treasure into his stuff. And I'm actually glad he doesn't tell us what his stuff is because it allows us to see ourselves in it. 
What he says is, you have not made an investment in heaven treasure. You might think, what's heaven treasure? And I would say to you, you know what heaven treasure is. She's sitting next to you. It's the background on your phone. It's an investment in a child. It's an investment in your family. It's an investment in the kingdom. It's an investment in sharing. It's an investment in peace. It's an investment in justice. That's uh, heaven treasure. But then we have to ask, well, why do I treasure all this stuff so much then? What led to, like, how do we end up treasuring things that aren't our treasure? To ask a really confusing question. I'll try to answer it by telling you this. Several years ago, Rachel and I got a new car. It wasn't a brand new car, but it was new to us. And uh, what I loved about this car, we were just transitioning from having little bitty kids to like medium-sized kids. And it had been years since I had seen the interior of a car that was clean. And this Toyota Highlander, it was so clean. It was so clean. In fact, I went and bought brand new floor mats to match. The interior of the car was this sort of light gray. And the floor mats I got that were brand new, pristine, were almost white. And I put them in there. You see where this is going. And then I was taking the girls to the park. Rachel and I were taking the girls to the park. And we went to Sonic during happy hour to get their favorite drink. Their favorite drink is, was, and still is a grape slush with nerds. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Put the nerds, that's a candy. They put the nerds right inside. You'll figure it out later. We pass the grape slushies out like we always did. And one of my girls in the back seat proceeds to put her grape slush into an imaginary cup holder that does not exist. Just sort of, it's just like right in front of her. And I'll, I remember the sound of the styrofoam splitting on my brand new floor mats, my brand new car. And I was so perturbed <laughs> that I, I, I just been, began making noises that were unintelligible. And I got in the back and I'm, I'm cleaning, I'm cleaning, I cleaned all the slush out and all the little nerds and I was scrubbing and scrubbing and I'm muttering and I'm muttering and I'd done all that I could do in that moment, but I wanted it to be perfect. And so I kept scrubbing and I kept scrubbing and the girls are wondering, why aren't we going to the park? But they'd made a big mess and I was mad about it and I was scrubbing and scrubbing and I almost heard this question. It wasn't spoken out loud, but I heard this question in my heart and it was this. Everybody in the car was asking it. When did this car become so dang important? And the answer was almost as audible as that inaudible question. And the answer was this, when I made it that important. When I made it that important. Is Jesus really interested in every Christ follower selling all their possessions and giving them to the poor? I'll, I'll commend the story to you. You read it. You know, you might start thinking, wouldn't that make everyone poor if we give everything away? You can logic it out. But Jesus knew that the rich young ruler had put his treasure in what he could do, what he could gain, and what he could handle. What he could put his arms around. And Jesus knew if he stayed in that place with that master, it would destroy him. Why did Jesus speak such truth to him? Because he cared about him so much that he spoke the truth to him. Some of you are already this morning are like, why are we talking about this, Jake? Why do we gotta do the rich young ruler? Right? This is what's known as one of the hard passages, the hard teachings of Jesus. And you could go a long time, you could go years and not have to touch it, right? Like some of, some of us might be thinking, do we have to do the, you have to give all your stuff away verses here at Providence? And I would just say, 
I care about you too much not to share them. It's not about your stuff, okay? This is not the command for every person. We'll see in just a moment. This isn't even the command Jesus gave to every person. It's not about your stuff. It's about your questions. It's about your longings. It's about your attachments. I'll show you what I mean. Here's the command given to the rich young ruler. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Do you see it? Go sell, give, follow. Go sell, give, follow. Now, if you follow along with the Jesus story, you will notice something strange about this command because most of the people that Jesus encountered, he said this to them, follow me. Andrew, follow me. Peter, come follow me. Matthew, the tax collector, come follow me. So why to the rich young ruler does he say, go, sell, give, and then follow? The reason is you have to get rid of your old master before you can follow a new one. (laughs) That's the way masters work, right? Jesus, in talking to the rich young man, recognizes a rival to the father. If you look at his questions, if you look at his longings, if you look at his attachments, you can see that as much as the young man wanted his questions answered by Jesus, he wanted to be rich, young, and rule more. What he really wanted was some advice. And you may have come here this morning for that, and that is okay to get some spiritual advice. But with Jesus, it's never just about spiritual advice. Jesus is asking you to surrender. Jesus is asking you to let go. Jesus is asking you to lay something down. For many of us, the movement from our attachments to the surrender to Jesus is found in the same place that Jesus said it would be for the rich ruler. And that's in giving stuff away. That's what I wanna talk about briefly for a few moments. That the same thing that would have worked for the rich young ruler to get from, I got all these attachments uh, to connecting with Jesus and finding life is giving, okay? Now, for those of you who connect to Providence Church as your church home, you know from time to time, we talk about giving. We did it this morning. Each year I invite you to give financially to the church. I hope it's not in a heavy-handed way. I hope it's not in a manipulative way. But if you tend here regularly, you get a letter from me. It's coming in a couple weeks, not tomorrow, but in a couple weeks. You can read it. I hope you'll read the letter, consider it, pray over it. And it has a card in there that you can bring back to church. But um, this Jesus kingdom giving stuff is what I want to talk about this morning. Because um, it seems to contradict what we might understand about finances uh, and stuff. It's a paradox that what Jesus says will gain by giving Sounds like the opposite of what we would gain. So here's what it is. Giving leads to security. Am I saying if things are tight for you right now that I'm urging you to give some away and that you'll feel more secure? Yes. When you look at every penny is yours and you gotta cover it and you gotta handle it, you'll find yourself on shaky ground, not on secure ground. In fact, if you're not careful, you'll fool yourself into thinking that you're the one who takes care of everything. But when you give something away, you're trusting more in God. That's where security is found, in trusting God. Giving leads to freedom. When you in faith give some away, you actually free yourself from it. You find freedom from thinking everything is dependent on you. David, in the Bible, who was a rich young ruler, said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He came to a place in his connection with God that he realized all the kingdoms that he had actually belonged to God. 
And so that's where the, the giving principle came out of. It's the foundation for our giving. It's why we can't be so attached to this stuff because it's not ours. And the giving then leads to a blessing. Plain and simple. Giving leads to blessing. Now, I'm not a health and wealth preacher, <laughs> meaning I don't find in the gospel that if you give stuff away, you won't get sick and you'll have a big house. I haven't found that yet. I am saying, I promise you, if you give stuff away, you will experience more blessing than you can stand. <laughs> I say it uh, from the scripture, the scripture that talks about, one of them that talks about giving, that talks about a tithe. You may have heard that word, which just represents 10%. They were doing it with crops uh, back in the Old Testament. It says, bring your tithe into the storehouse. And then God says, test me in this. And see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that's so big you can't even stand it. So I'm saying that from the authority of scripture. I also hope that I, I also want to say to you that I'm saying it from the integrity of my own life. And I'm not going to say something to you that I'm not doing. Rachel and I have and have for a long time given more than 10% of our income to the church. And we've been blessed by that. I don't want to withhold that blessing from you. But here's what the young man did in the story. Remember, Jesus said, you need to go, sell, give, and follow. But he only did one. The young man, all he did was one. All he did was he goad. That's all he did. He was given a four-part command. But all he did is he walked away sad. I wonder how many times God has called me to a deeper level and I have walked away sad because I couldn't let go of something. The young man walked away sad, but the disciples were listening. The disciples were talking amongst themselves. They said they were astonished at this encounter between Jesus and the rich young ruler. And then Jesus said to them, he said, it's actually harder for a rich man to get in the kingdom of God than for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. And they're like, oh my goodness. And then they asked this question. They said, well, if that's the case, who then can be saved? It's interesting, isn't it? The disciples, when they saw a rich young ruler encounter Jesus, they did not say, oh man, that guy's a rich young ruler. He's nothing like us. We're vagabonds. We've given up everything. We've been following Jesus on these dusty streets for years. They listened to the rich young ruler conversation with Jesus and they thought, he's just like us. They asked Jesus this question. If what you're saying is true, then who gets in? Who is saved? Who then can be saved? Jesus, what you're describing, this kingdom principle, it sounds impossible. And Jesus says, you're right. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He says, you're right. What I'm telling you about is totally impossible for you. And it's totally possible for me. I forgot to pick up one of my daughters from school this week. Marking it down was my worst moment as a parent. My oldest daughter, Mary, is a freshman in high school. And on Mondays, at the beginning of this school year, um, I put on my schedule for every Monday, the whole semester, I would pick her up from school. I'd sit in the car line, I'd pick her up from school, and I'd take her to her cheerleading practice. Every Monday, I grab a, a snack out of our little snack place here, some Doritos, and I go and I sit in the car line for 30 minutes. I pick Mary up and I take her to cheerleading, except for last Monday, I forgot. I have an excuse. I was in Atlanta. 
Mary didn't know that. She saw me that morning. I drove to Atlanta. I was speaking at a conference. It was a conference for some of the, the pastors of the largest churches in America. I was the opening speaker. And I got up and I shared before some of my heroes, mentors in the faith. I was intimidated. I was excited. I prepared. I talked for an hour and a half. Can you imagine that? And then, I don't know why y'all said yes. I, so. <laughs> I went and sat down. Um, I turned my phone off during the presentation. I turned it back on. And that's when I learned uh, that I had not arranged for a car for Mary and two of her friends. Her text, this was the word of her text. It said, how close are you, dad? (laughs) And in one moment, all the stuff that had been so important to me, one moment before, was now way less important. The investment of driving to Atlanta and the hotel room and the preparation for the talk and the good feedback that I received, it seemed like nothing in comparison to my treasure. I almost started weeping at the table. Her question was a good one, though, I think. How close are you, Dad? I wonder if God could ask us today. How close are you? How close are you? This verse, this story about the rich young ruler, it's not about money. It's not about money. It's about losing your focus, if even for a moment, or for a lot of moments for some of us. And Jesus saying, I have life for you. This is what I have for you. I have the answer to the, the longing question of your heart. I have life for you, but are you willing to surrender so I can be your master? We think, Jesus, that seems impossible. I know myself. I know my stuff. What you're calling me to do, that seems impossible. And Jesus says, you're right. It's impossible for you, but it's possible with me because I went to the cross and I died for you shed my blood for you. Jesus said, I went to hell and kicked the devil's rear end for you. My body lay in a grave sealed with an immovable stone, but I pushed it away with this new power called resurrection. And I walked right out and I found every last one of those dudes who've been walking on the road with me. And I looked in each one of their eyes again. I sought them out. I went to the lake where Peter was fishing again. Sucker didn't catch any fish that night. He's a terrible fisherman, but I love him. I found Thomas. He was behind locked doors. And I said, Thomas, touch my wounds. He said, I have done what's necessary. You're so right, guys. You're so right. This is impossible for you. But God has set up an eternal plan so that you can be saved. That's your question, right? How then can I live? How then can I do it? That's your question, right? What do I still lack? What am I missing? I got all this stuff. They're letting me speak at conferences. And it doesn't mean diddly squat compared to treasure in heaven, which is an investment that I will make in my daughter which is an investment that we can make in each other, 
which is an investment we can make in the poor, which is an investment in justice to call out what's wrong and to say what's right. It's an investment that we can make Jesus followers who have no clue what we're doing. But somehow we found ourselves. We're walking down the road with him. We're listening to the stories. We're talking to each other and saying, this is never going to work. This is never going to work. I can't even make sense of what he's saying. This sounds impossible. And Jesus says, it is. But it's possible with me. All you need is me. Let's pray. God, we weep for the world today. Our hearts are broken. And we turn to you. Thank you for the hard passages. Thanks for loving us so much. Thanks for loving us so much that you call us to lay it down. And this morning, let us lay it all down. Just lay it all down before Jesus. That's our prayer, God, that you'd help us do that. Lay it all down before Jesus. We know what it is. We know what we need to do. Show us us the way. In Jesus' name, amen.